0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Friday, December 22nd, 2023. And I'm your host, as always, The Pody. Welcome to our Christmas edition of This Week in Sports. I want to first off apologize. I have not aired an episode in Two weeks. I usually don't go as many as two weeks in a row without airing an episode. So I do want to apologize for that. But some things I out of my control that I just didn't or couldn't um, do an episode. So last Friday, exactly one week ago, I had LASIK done uh, on my eyes so I could see clearly. So congratulations to me. Yes. Um... It was a quick 10-minute procedure, whatever, but for the past week, uh, my eyes have been, you know, bothersome, and um, although they're pretty good now, I'm feeling maybe a little bit tired, a little drier today because maybe the weather, its in the tw- it was in the 20s most of the day today. So, uh, yeah, I've been dealing with that, have to put drops in every hour for the most part, but that ends today. My seven days are up with that, so I'm pretty much back to normal. I can see, and I look forward to it. And we'll see how my golf game improves or not so much uh, now that I can see 100%. With tw- not only do I I don't have 2020 vision, people, I have 2015, which is even better thanks to the LASIK that I had done. So super excited about that. So new things as we uh, wrap this this year up. Um, that was my little Christmas present to myself. Uh, I guess you could say pretty expensive one at that. So, um woke up this morning to my surprise to some to some sports news. It, it was some news, not news that I was too happy about, but um the Japanese phenom, okay, you all know who I'm talking about, okay? Uh he signed with the LA Dodgers. Yep. Unfortunately, he did. He decided to go and be with his battery mate, if you will, in Shohei Otani. So uh, I'm, of course, talking about the 25 year old pitcher Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the Yankees who were supposedly the favorites. They had multiple meetings with this guy. They fell short of the 12 million, 12-year, $325 million deal that the Dodgers ended up giving him. A lot of people are trying to say that, you know, they, he went to L.A. because it's the West Coast, which is a little bit closer to Japan. I don't know if I put too much stock in that, but I'll talk a little bit more about that later, although I just pretty much spoiled the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, it's three what are we? Three days away from Christmas, finally. Um Christmas break is here for most of us. I have off for the next, you know, week or so. I don't have to be back to work until January 2nd, which is a nice little unwind, unpack and just relax type of time of year. This is the time of year where people um you know, like to relax myself. A lot of good television and movies on this time of the year. Um there is great books to be read. Okay, I just started Um, The Outsider by Stephen King. I'm trying to watch that HBO Max series as well that came out a few years ago with Jason Bateman and whatnot. I'm through a couple episodes so far. It's so good. Um, So, yeah, it's a great time of year. And this year we've got tomorrow the 23rd. We've got NFL football. We've got NFL on Sunday. And guess what? Christmas falls on Monday this year. And we've got NFL football on Monday And we've got NBA, of course, on Christmas. So it's going to be a fun-packed few days. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm glad to be back. I'm going to try to get through this episode in about an hour or so um, because, again, every hour I have to put drops in my eyes and they're getting a little dry. I had to turn the lights off here in my booth because they were bothering me a little bit. Um, But with that being said, without further ado, let's just dive right in and get the show started. Um, I mentioned NFL football. There's been a lot. Uh, It's, you know, we're gearing up towards the end of the season. Now, my New York Jets, my beloved Jets for the 13th straight year were eliminated from playoff contention. Shocker. Well, it is a big shock. If you, you know, if you if you, uh, you know, God forbid, got in an accident and you went into a coma, right? At the beginning of the season, or I should say in the off season, when hard knocks was on and the Jets got Aaron Rodgers and Super Bowl bound and and all that stuff, right? And then you woke up from a coma, maybe, you know, this week and you saw the Jets were five and nine and eliminated from the playoffs. Your first thought would be like, what in the hell happened? How did the Jets go five and nine with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback? And that would not be the case, but Yeah. Disappointing. Nonetheless, I lost two hundred dollars on the Jets to win the division and win the conference championship. So that was out the window. I will not be betting that next year or ever again. Might I add? I hate futures bets for that exact reason. Although something made me as I was, you know, gearing up for this episode today, I saw that Carson Beck of Georgia is coming back to for another year. And I really wanted to put some money on Carson Beck to win the Heisman next year because I think he's got a great shot at it. Um, But they don't have futures bets on Carson Beck to do so. But I will say, I do think that Carson Beck to win the Heisman might be a good choice. I will obviously be putting money on Shador Sanders because I did that uh, in the middle of his game um, in week one against... um, TCU. That's right. TCU. And it looks like pretty good bet for the first couple of weeks until Colorado fell off the face of the earth. But I digress. So um, I don't even know where we were going with this whole thing. But uh, yeah, Jets futures bets. Don't do it. People do not do it. And the whole notion that Aaron Rodgers was going to come back this season that was put to rest pretty much on Tuesday. He said he's not fully 100% yet. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was never coming back anyway. But yeah, uh, there were dreams, there were hopes that it would be against the uh, Browns on Thursday night, next Thursday night, so I don't know. We'll see. But with that being said, let's get into the crux of what I really wanted to talk about in week 15. So headed into week 15, the presumptive, well, odds-on favorite to win the Heisman was Dak Prescott, just coming off beating the Eagles, playing at an elite level had the Cowboys right up there now tied for the division lead with the Eagles who by the way were 10 and 1 and then lost two in a row going into week 15 we'll get more on that later but the Cowboys played the Bills in the was that the 425 slot I believe on CBS and Uh, Everybody was on the bills and I'm just like, ah, I think the Cowboys are going to pull this out. Like they're a pretty damn good team. They just beat the Eagles. And that was the key that I didn't factor in. They just came off a big win against the Eagles and boy, oh boy, did they have a letdown. And what's funny is I just played, um, I just played Madden a couple times with, with, uh, with the Phantom Swami and, we were doing matchups and stuff and I used the Cowboys twice in a row against the Eagles and oh my God, the Cowboys' offense, it was so hard to use them. I just couldn't get a rhythm going, couldn't get anything going on offense with that team in Madden, and I got blown out both times, and it's shocking because, well, guess what? That's what the Cowboys looked like against the Bills. Like, just third and long, every single time they had the ball, it, they were struggling to get yards. They they couldn't do anything. I mean, Josh Allen didn't have to do much in this game at all, and they blew out the Cowboys. He threw for, like, 90 yards passing. That's it. They leaned on the run game and James Cook and them boys. I mean, just not a whole lot. Uh, Neither tight end Knox nor Kincaid had a catch in this game. I mean, it's like looking back, it's just a bizarre stat line, but just funky weird um, way that this game basically uh, happened and especially myself never in a million years could I have predicted it to have gone as bad as it did for for the Cowboys. So, just yikes. So, with that being said, Dak Prescott is no longer the favorite to win the MVP. Horrendous game. But you know who is now the the odds-on favorite to win the MVP? Mr. Irrelevant himself, Brock Purdy. Can you imagine, like, you couldn't have scripted this. We need need a Hollywood movie. Somebody needs to make a Hollywood movie on the career and life of Brock Purdy. Because... From he This kid went from one of the best uh, in the state of Arizona in high school to he was stuck between, should I go to Texas A&M? Should I go to Iowa State? He goes to Iowa State. He's number three on the depth chart. By week six of his freshman season, he takes over as the starter and never relinquishes the job for the next four years. What does he do? He gets drafted, what, number 261 or whatever it is. Last pick in the draft. Mr. Irrelevant. Goes to the 49ers. He starts the season third on the depth chart. Fast forward to few weeks 10 weeks whatever it was inserted as the starter doesn't relinquish the job they go to the super bowl if he doesn't get hurt in that nfc championship game against the eagles it's just been an incredible career for this kid and whether you think he's a system quarterback or whatnot whatever the kid is a cerebral genius he he has he puts such perfect touch on the ball yeah he has stud weapons yeah he's got a genius for a coach in kyle shanahan Say what you want. Put Zach Wilson in that system. He might flourish. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. Put, you know, Sam Darnold's in that system now. But Brock Purdy's played every game except a couple snaps here and there there. So we haven't gotten to see Sam Darnold. Um, but I would have loved to see Sam Darnold in that system to truly know if Sam Darnold was just a byproduct of poor Jets coaching and uh, uh just inept organization, or if Sam Darnold just really is a bust and is just not very good. But We won't see that anytime soon unless Brock Purdy gets hurt. But back to Purdy himself. This man could possibly win an MVP and a Super Bowl this year. I mean, it's just incredible. In his second year, and he was totally overlooked by everybody. He leads the league currently with 29 touchdowns, 119 passer rating, and a QBR of 76. All leading the league. It's just unbelievable. So, yeah, that is something to keep an eye on. I think it would be one hell of a story if Brock Purdy wins NFL MVP. Unreal. Um, Two things I want to talk about and I want to shine light on. So you'd think by week 15 that teams would have all the kinks ironed out, right? Well, not necessarily and definitely not the case if you're the Jaguars or Commanders. So... I don't know how this happens. I do not know how, but I watch all the time. Maybe a lot's going on on the sideline for a head coach. He can't process. Maybe they're not as quick as me, but when you have a situation, and again, it happened last night at the start of the third quarter in the Saints and Rams game, the Rams took their opening drive of the third quarter. And I think scored kicked a field goal or something. So like five minutes ran off the clock. But so saints first possession, they get to a third and six and the play clock's running down and they burn a timeout and waste a timeout right to start the third quarter. You're losing by double digits and you burn a timeout at the top of the third quarter on your first possession of the, of the second half. It, it's just incomprehensible. It can't happen. And I see things like that all the time. You see, uh, he's, he's well-known for his bad clock management, and that's Andy Reid with the timeouts. Andy Reid always always lets extra time off the clock before calling a timeout. And he's not the only one. Multiple coaches, like, uh, I see it with the Jets all the time. They call a timeout. It's like they're running down the field. And 10 seconds ran off the clock. And then you got Sala yelling at them, no, you got to put more time on the clock. And they never do. And it's like, how does this happen? You need to know to call the timeouts immediately. Uh, So anyway, the Jaguars botched the crap out of the, their clock management at the end of the first half against the Ravens. They were down 10-0 in the closing minutes, or excuse me, closing minute. It was inside like 30 seconds, and Trevor Lawrence hits, um, well, I forget who he hit. It was either Ridley or, or somebody else. He hit them along the left sideline, and just just listen to these final, final, it's exactly 30 seconds from their own uh, 39-yard line. Listen to this unfold. four that time. Lawrence firing sideline. Jones! Okay, it was Zay Jones. No timeouts. Five seconds left. Clock runs. Jaguars run to spike it. They get everybody lined up properly with a running clock. They're in the shotgun. From the five, they'll throw. Lawrence complete. It is inbounds because of forward progress at four. Washington couldn't get out. They will not get a playoff. The half will end. They didn't go under center to spike it on first down. And when Washington cannot get out of bounds, that adds to the miscue. I mean, that was horrific. And I'm sorry to say that a lot of that is on Trevor Lawrence. But at the same time, why did they not spike the ball and stop the clock? It was so bad. And then how do you throw like a two, three yard pass inbounds across the middle? Uh, I, I just don't understand. What does that do for you? The, every shot had to be towards the end zone. And look, look, Trevor Lawrence is set to miss his first game this week. He's more than likely out. They might have already ruled that he's been out, but I saw he's most likely going to be out um, Sunday. It's the first game he will miss in his entire career, going back to high school you name it. First game he's ever missed. And a couple weeks ago with the ankle sprain, we thought for sure he'd missed the game against the Ravens, but he did not. He played in that game, but now he's dealing with like a concussion. And we all know uh, this year, anybody with concussion symptoms has basically not played the following week for the most part. Zach Wilson's another one. He has been ruled out this week against the commanders, which is good for us because if we lose to the commanders, we jump up to the four pick in the NFL draft, baby. So let's just tank-a-thon, start now. Uh, so, yeah, they end up getting blown out due to the Jaguars. And, again, the Ravens are one of those sneaky teams. I don't know how they keep winning, but they just do. They're well-coached, et cetera, et cetera. They win that game 23-7. to 7, And I feel like they don't really get all the respect they deserve. They're about to be the number one seed in the AFC. But not to be outdone by said Washington commanders, I mentioned them, They had the biggest clock management gaffe in NFL history, and that is not by no means an exaggeration. This is fact. Okay commanders are playing the rams they're down 14 points with about five minutes left to go they had inserted jacoby Brissett into the lineup they just sam howell wasn't getting it done they couldn't muster anything on offense on it just happens right so they went decided to go to jacoby Brissett. they start getting things going he hits terry mclaurin on a pretty big play gets stopped at the one yard line about to score just tripped up at the one yard line okay four minutes boom score play defense we could get the ball back we could tie this thing let's get it So there's a little over four minutes to go at this point. What did the Washington commanders proceed to do? They, they ran the ball up the middle for no gain. Then I believe the Rams called timeout. Then I want to say there was like a penalty that brought it back just over and over and over again. They couldn't get that one yard. Finally, uh, the clock's winding and they were just taking their sweet time huddling up and wasting clock. And even when the two minute warning was approaching, they could have gotten a playoff, but they let like 20 seconds come off the clock, and now we're at the two minute warning. So, all in all, it took them till fourth and goal. They finally punched it in, got the touchdown, but it didn't matter. The game was virtually over. They needed an onside kick now at this point. From the time they got the ball to the one yard line to the time they scored, it was over three minutes. The previous record was two minutes and change in twenty week 13 of 2012, or maybe it was 2013. So one of those, it was the Chicago Bears. Took like two minutes and 40-something seconds. The freaking commanders took over three minutes to score from the one-yard line it's laughable, and I've said it for years since he was coaching in Carolina. Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, as they call him. I don't think he should, I don't think he deserves a nickname. He's not that good. He had one season where they went 15-1 and and then got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. Not taking anything away, that was a great season, but he's been nothing but mediocre since coming to Washington. Had a couple of middling-type seasons where they competed a little bit, but not great record-wise. I know it's a tough division, but he needs to go. And I think what he what did him in and what was so eye opening was coming into this season or or last year, whenever he said it. And he's like, oh, wow, we would have started this kid, Sam Howell, a long time ago if I had if I had known he was this good. It's like, what, what, what? You just threw him in in the last game of the season just for shits and giggles. And you didn't know if he was good or not. And now you're realizing like, oh, he's our best option. He is pretty good. I've been saying that since he was in college at North Carolina. I thought the kid was a very good quarterback. He doesn't play for a great team. They've got one of the worst O-lines in NF- in the NFL. Uh but he he's been right there towards the top in, in passing uh yards and, and uh multiple 300-yard passing games. So uh I just think Ron Rivera's got to go. You've got to start new. I believe, did they fire Jack Del Rio a couple weeks ago? I think they did. So, yeah, the next step is just get rid of Ron Rivera. Um, if you know what you're doing, Magic, Irving Magic Johnson, you seem to be doing pretty well with the Dodgers right now. Okay, you're signing every every Japanese player on the planet. You've got a billion-dollar payroll. Um, get rid of Ron Rivera and just make Eric bien the coach, the head coach, although not going to lie, I don't think he's done a great job as the offensive coordinator this year. He's done a, a very a, a decent job. He had to break free of the Andy Reid tree and, and just do it on his own for a bit if he wanted a head coaching gig. But I think that's the best, easiest transition. Make him the head coach, and you're not starting over with a new system. And I think that would work out pretty well for them. Um, The Eagle has landed, ladies and gentlemen. Or in this case, the Seahawk has landed on top of the Eagle. So what am I talking about? Monday Night Football, Eagles at Seahawks. A sick Jalen Hurts showed up to Monday Night Football, by the way, on his own plane, had to fly separately from the team due to, his, you know, he was dealing with the flu or flu-like symptoms. Eagles coming off two straight losses. They are already without their head of security, Big Dom, Dom DeSandro, who has officially been banned from the sideline for the rest of the season. So Eagles taking L's all over the place, the field and also off the field uh, between, you know, Big Dom and Jalen Hurts being sick. But you'd figure, okay, Hurts shows up, he's going to start. Even a sick Jalen Hurts should be enough to beat Seattle. Don't discount the 12th man in Seattle. Hasn't been the same over the last couple of years, but still very good. And it showed up on Monday night. You had Golden Tate raising the flag with this kid, all that good stuff. Well, we also found out that the Eagles are reeling. Something internally is not going right. We all saw Jalen Hurts in practice. They had footballs strapped to sticks. And they had the quarterbacks, most notably Jalen Hurts, who, you know, keeps fumbling, whatever. They had him holding the ball and then They made them fall to the ground and protect the football, and they were using the stick to kind of, like, jab at them or try to, like, pull at it. I mean, it's just bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. So I think that the Cowboys broke this Eagles team. Or you could even say that maybe the Jets, when they gave them their first loss, that really started to show the cracks on how to beat them, and they're broken. So they're they're, they're, they're reeling. So Nick, Nick Sirianni doesn't know what to do. He's trying to just do something. So he made a change on the defensive side of the football. They didn't fire anybody, but they elevated Matt Patricia. They moved defensive coordinator Sean Desai. Okay, they moved him up to the booth. And Matt Patricia, who was brought in in like April as a senior defensive assistant, was tabbed with calling the plays on the sideline. So basically, Matt Patricia is now your defensive coordinator, and it's like Sean decide, just go up to the booth and you know just sit there and and whatever. So that's a move they made, which was a little bit shocking to say the least. But they started off this game very good. Jalen Hurts looked pretty good. They led a. Uh, scoring drive, touchdown, scoring drive on their opening possession, several third down completions and third down conversions looked very good. And this game kind of went back and forth. Eagles couldn't really pull away. Um, Drew Locke starting for an injured Geno Smith for a second straight game. And they just kept hanging on, hanging in there. And in the final minutes, they were down a touchdown or, or they were down four and they needed, they got the ball back at what their seven, eight-yard line. Um, so they needed to go like 92 yards and you know for a touchdown scoring drive to, to win the game. And let me tell you that Drew Locke stepped up in the biggest way possible and on third and ten from the 30-yard line made this incredible pass. Lock end zone. Other. Smith and Jigba has put the Seahawks on top. Yeah, it was just an incredible throw, an incredible catch by Smith and Jigba. And they scored with, I don't know, what was there, like 30 seconds, a little less than 30 seconds on the clock. And... Eagles start moving the ball. They need about 10, 15 yards, something over the middle. They could spike it. They could definitely get a field goal attempt to tie this, send it to overtime. Well, for whatever reason, Jalen Hurts just decided to chuck it deep, and the ball was picked off, and that sealed the game. Eagles have lost their third straight. It was a... um, Cowboys saving win, if you will, because by by the Cowboys losing to the Bills, they needed the Eagles to lose to stay percentage points ahead of them in the NFC East uh, for the NFC East division crown. So right now, by sheer of head to head, the Cowboys are in first place in the NFC East and the Eagles are a wild card team. So it's going to be a fun finish down the stretch. But yeah, the Eagles got major issues right now. Okay. in other NFL news, the Falcons are once again going back to Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Oh, my God. Uh, I just I I don't have words at this point. The whole quarterback carousel in Atlanta is a joke. And I quite frank and quite frankly, I. I don't know how Arthur Smith still has a job. And I guess it's because they're technically still in this thing. Um, The Buccaneers are in first place right now, but the Falcons and Saints are right there. None of these teams are probably making the playoffs unless they win this division. So it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. But God help us all if the Falcons win this division when they constantly keep going back and forth to different quarterbacks. I'm ashamed to know that my Jets lost to this team. Uh, It's just pathetic. That what they're doing. They don't know who to start at quarterback. It's like a joke here. And now they're going back to Taylor Heineke and shame on the Saints, the Panthers, the Buccaneers. If somehow the Falcons win this division, it's just a joke. It's an absolute joke. Um. All right. To Thursday night football last night, the Rams beat the Saints 30 to 22 in a showdown of wildcard hopefuls. And Again, the final score was way closer than the game suggested, considering the Rams led 30-7 to seven at one point. And then um, the Saints got a couple quick scores scored, got a blocked punt, and then threw it a little bit, you know, like 30, 40-yard pass, got a touchdown, two-point conversion. That was what made it 30-22. And then with like three minutes left and no timeouts, they were forced to go for the onside kick and then they never got the ball back. So anyway, the Rams are now 8 and 7 winners of 5 of their last 6 that only lost coming in OT to the Ravens if you remember that punt return for a touchdown. Um this Rams team is completely different in my opinion with a healthy Kyron Williams. He's an absolute stud. I'm super glad that I traded for him in my fantasy league even though I came in last place cuz he missed like 4 games, but anytime he plays, the man is a stud. Put up 150 yards rushing last week, even though he fumbled twice. That He's just a workhorse, getting 20-plus carries each and every week. Um, it's just awesome. And then, of course, you got Puka Nakua, their stud rookie wide receiver. Both of those guys fifth-round picks, by the way. He went off last night for 164 and a touchdown, bringing him just 146 yards shy of the NFL's rookie record for receiving yards in a season with 1,473. Just, that would be unbelievable. Then there's Matthew Stafford. Many wrote him off. He was hurt a little bit earlier in the year. He has been on fire of late. In his last five games, 1,388 yards passing, 14 touchdowns to just one interception, and a completion percentage of 66%. And guess what? I'm going to say, I'm going to state facts. The reason for this uptick in production from the entire Rams offense is the addition of This offseason of Mike LaFleur, the former Jets offensive coordinator who was fired. He has made a huge impact on this team, and he actually got an extension earlier in the season. And yeah, the Jets said, you know what? He's not good enough for what we're trying to do. So we brought in Nathaniel Hackett, and the Jets have just gotten worse this year on offense. Hard to explain. As for the Saints, um, I don't know really what to make of this team. They've got a defensive-minded head coach in Dennis Allen, who I think is over, you know, in over his head. I don't think he's a good head coach. They, With the addition of Derek Carr this offseason, they should have ran away with this division. I was clamoring for people to bet on the Saints to win the division at plus whatever it was 15, whatever it was. They were one of the most favored teams to win their division, and boy, was I wrong. Carr has looked like a shell of himself through an awful interception um, in that game in the fourth quarter. I just don't know what to make of this team. They need an offensive-minded head coach who knows what the hell they're doing because Dennis Allen ain't it. They kept going for these weird fourth downs, bunch of, you know, onside kicks. They just didn't seem... I mean, right before the first half, they went for it on fourth and five, and they didn't get it, and the Rams got the ball back and immediately went down and scored. What are you doing? There was like a minute left. Punt the ball and make the Rams go the full length of the field. They At the at worst, they're going to get a field goal, not a touchdown, so just some very poor poor handling of the clock and just different things for the Saints burning that time out as i mentioned earlier at the um like 10 minute mark of the third quarter their first possession i expected a lot more of this team they they're not getting the ball to Alvin Kamara, nearly enough. There's no screen game. Uh, It's just things are just not working. They started off hot, got the ball to their best receiver in Chris Olave, three for 36 on like the first drive. And then he was, you know, they sprinkled them in here and there, but they just stopped going to him overall. I I don't know. They can't run the ball. Dennis Allen's trying to make excuses that it's hard to win when you can't run the ball because you want to play action, do all that other stuff. That's great. But if you can't run the ball, why are you running the ball in the second half? down to possessions or multiple scores. It's like run it once. Doesn't work. Run it again. Now you're third and like I just it doesn't make any sense. That was a completely flat performance last night in a frankly, quite frankly, a must-win game. That was a must-win. Unbelievable. So Dennis Allen's another guy that's got to go on Black Monday. Okay, let's jump in, talk some NBA. Um for the first time in more than five years, this is hard to believe. Steph Curry failed to make a three-pointer in a game. His streak of 268 consecutive games with a made three-pointer is officially over. The last time Curry failed to make a three in a game was five years ago on November 8th, 2018. That streak of 268 straight with a made three was an NBA record. And somehow they still won the game despite Curry going 0 for 8 from behind the arc. They held on 118 to 114 to beat the Trailblazers. I want to say. Now here's a story I didn't think I'd ever hear, but there is an NBA G Leaguer or former G Leaguer by the name of Chance Comanche, um, who was arrested alongside his girlfriend or you know, ex-girlfriend for the murder of a 23-year-old woman. This is just highly disturbing. So details have emerged. He admitted to the murder, and the details are enough to make your stomach turn. So Comanche, who played for the Stockton Kings, he played at Arizona. Um, he's from California. He went undrafted, played maybe overseas for a little bit, um, and he's been in the G League on and off for a couple of years. Um, Stockton Kings, right? That's his team. They had just finished a game against the Vegas Ignite, so I'm sure pretty late at night, right in the evening. Just hours later, he conspired with his girlfriend to murder murder twenty three year old Morena Rogers. So the story goes that both women were sex workers with Comanches, you know, ex girlfriend or girlfriend, whatever. Um, who was nineteen only, by the way. He's like twenty seven. Um. Her name was Sakari, is Sakari Harnden. She had beef with this other girl, Rogers, over supposedly a Rolex watch. Uh, Apparently, people said she was constantly saying, you know, she better watch her back. You know, I'm a pop her or what, you know, I'm coming after her, whatever. I don't know what the hell this Rolex watch, where it came into play or any of this stuff. So basically, her and this G-leaguer, Comanche, they plotted. So what he was going to do, or the two of them were going to do was going to go find her, I guess, on the corner because, you know, she's a sex worker and they were going to, you know, ask for her services, wanted to, you know, pay her um, for basically uh, to have sex with them. When they got her in the van or the car or whatever, they tied her up. Okay. As part of, you know, what their exploits were going to be. And once they tied her up, that's when Comanche pulled out an HDMI cable, you know, the ones you plug into your TV, and he strangled her with it. And those things are, they, those are thick. I mean, those are super thick. So that is a serious, uh, serious weapon right there. And he starts strangling her, he claims, for about 10 seconds. But then when he realized that she was having trouble breathing, And she was struggling. He stopped strangling her with the HDMI cord. Wow, you're my hero. And then he just watched as his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, whatever, uh, strangled her with both of her hands and killed her. So whether he killed her or she killed her, whatever, they were both involved. They both basically killed her. And then after she was dead, what did they do? They found a nice spot on the side of the road and they threw her body out and buried her under some rocks. So classy. Good job, guys. And then to top it all off, he drove back to his team ho- team hotel. And it wasn't until like the next morning during team workouts that they fe- came, found him and arrested him. So he just went back to life like nothing happened. Rejoined his team at the hotel. Um, Security footage or surveillance footage saw the girlfriend or ex-girlfriend only 19 years old by the way um visibly upset at whatever hotel or wherever she was staying she was crying you know wasn't crying probably when she was killing this woman just absolute despicable act disgusting uh I don't know if one of them's gonna turn on each other or he's gonna take the fall or whatnot but um yeah two lives three lives just ruined and one person dead just it's unbelievable unbelievable what this woman had on this guy that he would go to the lengths for her to kill a woman is just and go to jail forever or for the rest of his life or 25 years 20 whatever it's going to be just unbelievable unbelievable so um just very sad ordeal for that woman's family morena rogers just 23 years old um so my condolences to her family and you know, it's, it's a tough line of work, you know, being a prostitute or a, you know, quote unquote sex worker, whatever you want to call it. It is, I mean, you are risking your life every day. They say, uh, the men and women in blue or the armed forces or firefighters, you name it, those people are risking their lives, but they at least have protection and they have others with them. When you are a prostitute, people just are rolling up on the street corner and and you have no idea there's no background checks there's no nothing you basically just get in the car with a random person and this is why prostitutes are um victims of serial killers so often they're you know no they have no family or nobody's really looking for them um they're they're basically just they could fall off the face of the earth and nobody will know and honest to god if Comanche wasn't an NBA G Leaguer, and he wasn't sort of well known. Um, and this was more of a random person, like a trucker or something, and they they just killed a prostitute. We might not ever know who killed her, but so yeah, it's very crazy. If you are a prostitute or sex worker, um, carry some sort of protection, a taser, pepper spray, something to at least you know um, protect yourselves, because yeah, that is not a profession I wish upon anybody. Um, And I know people have to do what they have to do, but that's why the internet was invented and that's why OnlyFans exists. Just saying. Okay, Tuesday night was the, we saw the return of Ja Morant from his 25-game suspension and he didn't appear to miss a beat. He scored 34 points against the Pelicans and led them back from a 56-33 road deficit. Oh, and by the way, he hit the game-winning floater in the paint, tough shot, John Morant, ladies and gentlemen. Steve with a chance to win it in his return. Here goes Morant. He spins. Morant scores. And the timer expires. Count the basket. And John Morant wins it for the Grizzlies. They get the ball. And they kind of left. Jones out on an island by himself there against a guy that I don't know that there's anybody in this league that can guard this young man one-on-one. He went for 13 in the third. He scores 14 in the fourth. 27 second-half points. Morant goes for 34 in 35 minutes and wins it at the buzzer. In his first game of the season. Yeah, I mean, an incredible individual effort by John Moran, who was nothing short of spectacular. Yeah, um, great game, great storyline in your first game back to just hit the game winner like that and go off. Memphis is... A few games, between, what is it, five or seven games, I think, back of a play-in. So watch out for them now that they've got Ja back. They're 2-0 and now with Ja, by the way. Um, what I don't like, and here's the thing. Ja Moran has been relatively quiet since this whole suspension. Haven't really heard much from him, and it's good now that he's back. But what comes with that now that he's back in the spotlight is he's got to run his mouth. And he's got to be, you know, I'm him type of player, right? As everybody seems to be nowadays. And this is the world of sports that we live in now. But I just don't have to like it. I hate it. Uh, I want more Larry Fitzgerald's score a touchdown, hand the ball to the ref and run off the field. I don't need to see you dance and make it all about you okay, I'm not that type of person. I would never do that. It's called the humble brag. Or a couple weeks ago when Austin Eckler is losing by 40 points or whatever the score was, 42 to 7, and he's pointing in the defender's face like, yeah, first down. Are you, uh, like, really? Another guy that has to go, Brandon Staley. Um, Or, well, another guy that went. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. I haven't mentioned that, but yeah, Brandon Staley's been fired. I'm sure you all know that. That's probably one of the reasons had no control over his team. You cannot be pointing first down, down 42 to seven. Uh, just a disgrace. So John Morant, he's running to the locker room. i keep receipts and blah, blah, blah. He's, you know, yapping on and on about the receipts, right? Just where's the humble brag. You hit the game winner. Can't that be enough? Can't you let your play speak for yourself? Uh, I I just don't understand. So I don't know if he was taking a page out of the Deion Sanders or Coach Prime playbook because Coach Prime, if you remember many, many months ago, uh, well, not that many, a few months back, Coach Prime was the one talking about receipts. I keep receipts, right? That's He started that whole thing. And, well, started off 3-0, and then you basically won one more game the rest of the season. So that didn't work out so well. So watch what you're saying, Ja. Just enjoy the fact that you're back. Let's see if he learned his lesson, okay? Because he's been suspended multiple times now because he's waving guns all over Instagram stories and whatnot. So let's see if he could keep his name out of the uh, tabloids and just play basketball and ball out and help this team Memphis win because um, he's electric when he's on the court. I've seen him in person in the NCAA tournament, and you know I can attest to the fact that he is great. Not a good shooter. I I he can't shoot. Just saying he can't. He can't. He's like a Russell Westbrook type um explosive. Can can just leap like nobody other and it's just oh he's got just speed like you can't imagine when he's when he's handling the ball. Um and that's all well and great, but it's a shooter's league and you gotta be able to shoot. So he'll evolve. he's still very young, but uh good start for him since he's been back. Okay, the 16 and 11 New York Knicks announced Mitchell Robinson will miss the remainder of the season. Shocker, Mitchell Robinson is always freaking hurt. So in turn, the uh, Knicks are applying to the NBA for a disabled player exception worth $7.8 million. We'll see if they get that. I don't know if there's been a ruling on that or not. I really don't care too much, but it's news and I thought I'd share it with you. We'll see if they make a deal or a trade to go out and get uh, some big man help because Hartenstein isn't going to isn't going to do it by himself. All right, the Detroit Pistons have lost 25 games in a row, one shy of tying the record. They were actually favored last night against Utah because a million guys were out for Utah, including Markinen, um, who's on my fantasy team. But um, they are now one loss from tying the all-time single season record for consecutive losses. And I'm very worried about this because they play my Nets. The next two games are against the Nets, tomorrow night and Tuesday. They're playing the Nets. And... What are the chances that they lose both games to the Nets? I don't know because they play Boston after that. So, I don't want my Nets to be the laughing stock, the team that loses to them because my Nets are already a laughing stock because we got blown the f out by the Knicks the other night, that which on Wednesday night which was just absolutely disgusting. Um and we're under 500. We're like 13 and 14 now, so yikes. Um. To make matters even worse for the Pistons, yeah, they started two and one this season, and they also hired Monty Williams as the highest-paid head coach in NBA history. He's making uh, eighty-five mil over six years. Okay, so yeah, they're two and one. Those two wins are good for about forty-two and a half million dollars of uh of Monty's salary there. Yeesh. Okay. Um. Another team struggling. Uh, to make a decision about a star player is the Pelicans. So Zion Williamson's contract, we found out is no longer guaranteed for the final three years after he was only able to play in 29 games last year. I don't know why they signed him to this big extension, but they had an out after missing more than 22 games last season. He triggered a clause that turned the salary he is owed for the next three seasons from guaranteed to not guaranteed. That means the Pelicans have the power to waive Zion after next season with no financial ramifications. Let's be, let's face it, that is not happening. If anything, they might trade him, but it just goes to show you that they don't necessarily believe in him um, as much as they first did, which I think was the right move. I would, I would cut bait and move on, because they never have him. He's out of shape all the time. He's okay when he's on the court, but just not, not worth the headache. Okay, in other sports news, sporting news, Texas women's volleyball is your back-to-back national champions. I don't know if you can be back-to-back national champs and consider this an upset per se, but uh, they did knock uh, knock off number 1 Nebraska in three sets um, quite easily, might I say, for their second straight national championship, so congrats to them. Uh, We found out Kyle McCord is transferring to Syracuse of all places. The former Ohio state QB entered the portal after starting all 12 games for the Buckeyes in 2023 had that just one loss against Michigan and it completely broke him. Apparently he completed 65.8% of his passes and tallied over 3000 yards, 24 touchdowns and six interceptions. But you know what they say, the grass is always greener on the other side. Listen, listen, Maybe things will work out at Syracuse. Fran Brown is over there now, but I have no respect for somebody who is going to call it quits when the going gets hard. I mean, and first of all, his dad played at Rutgers. He's from South Jersey. You're going to snub Rutgers? You're going to snub us like that? I mean, come on, man. If you're going to go anywhere, come to Rutgers. It only would make sense. But yeah, he's, you know, Fran Brown's got good roots in South Jersey and he, he, that's a big get for them. But honestly, I've watched McCord most of the year. I don't think he's as great as maybe he thinks or others think, but I've also listened to many pundits and analysts and one Urban Meyer, and it's bizarre. Nobody seems to know why he left. Oh, I'm not going to be guaranteed the starting job next year. Yada, yada, yada. I just—it baffles me how these guys, everybody just wants to enter the portal after one year. Oh, let me go to the next place. Let me get a better NIL deal. Let me go here. Let me do this. Let me do like. Can anybody just stay in one place for their career? For God's sakes, it's agonizing. I hate quitters. I absolutely hate it. And yes, in Joe Burrow's case, guys, some guys it works out. Um, it's just I. Uh, it's. I'm not a quitter, so I find it very difficult to say that or, or to give somebody a pass or, or to say it's okay to just go somewhere else when you're not the starter or whatever. But this guy was the starter, so we just can't handle the spotlight. Couldn't handle it at Ohio State. Whatever it is, that's what I'm going with because it can't be anything else. When the going got tough, you lost one game and you just decided to leave. So good riddance. You'll be nothing at Syracuse, I'm sure. Um... Because, let's face it, that's not Ohio State. And you had Marvin Harrison Jr., the presumptive number one overall pick in this coming NFL draft. And now you think you're going to do better by yourself at Syracuse? You don't have that type of talent. You don't have that offensive line. I, I just—good luck. Good luck. Um, Some sad news to report. Former North Carolina star and NBA veteran Eric Montrose died on Monday at the age of 52 he learned he had cancer in March. Uh, Montrose was actually a fixture around UNC after retiring from pro ball. He served. Uh, he 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 was in the NBA for a couple of years. I know he had a uh, year or so with the Nets as well as a couple other teams. He was actually a color commentator for uh, UNC men's basketball and was heavily involved in fundraising for UNC Athletics. I don't really remember him myself because he he didn't make a name for himself. Uh, he made a name for himself, rather, in the early 90s, 92, really. And I was that was just a few months before I was born. Um, he was an All-American in that 92 season, named to the All-Final Four team. That was Dean Smith's second national championship team. Um, he was a stalwart big man, um, and he was a great player at North Carolina. So RIP, cancer's a bitch. It sucks. Okay, five-star quarterback and the number two overall quarterback in the class of 2024, Dylan Riola, officially flipped his commitment from Georgia to Nebraska. We're seeing a lot of that now nowadays too, flipping commitments from one. You tell one school, "Oh, I'm gonna go there," and then you just flip. See, I don't. That's gutless in my opinion too. You Just flip. you, you give someone your word. That should be your bond, but whatever. This is what these kids do now. Try to, you know, squeeze as much money out of these boosters and out of these, uh you know, sponsors as they can. So on the surface, it's a huge get, by the way, for for Matt Rule in just his, uh, what, second or third year at Nebraska. Big, big get. So why did he switch to Nebraska? On the surface, it might seem surprising. You take a deeper dive, no. His father is Dom Riola, who... Uh, starred as an All-American at Nebraska and went on to play 14 years in the NFL all of those years with the Lions. And look even further, his uncle Donovan is actually the offensive line coach for the Huskers. So yeah, some huge familial ties in Lincoln. Okay, the NCAA notified Michigan and Jim Harbaugh of a level one violation. Yet another uh, level one, by the way, is the most serious kind. Um, for allegedly providing misleading information during a recruiting investigation. This has nothing to do with the uh, Spygate or whatever um, sign-stealing scandal. This has everything to do with the stupid hamburger scandal where he bought some recruits some hamburgers, for Christ's sake. They have been after Harbaugh from the jump. If he doesn't leave for the NFL now, uh, it's, I I don't know what he's doing. But um, a loss to Alabama should ensure that he jumps back to the NFL. Just please God, end this misery. Um, all right. Here's something cool I read about today. So Alabama, they will play Michigan, obviously in the CFP. I just talked about Michigan there. Um, backup quarterback, Tyler Buchner, who we saw was named the starter for like one game that lasted like a half. That was an awful game for, uh, for Bama. Was was that the South Florida game? It might've been anyway. Um, Tyler Buchner is transferring back to Notre Dame. So Buchner started at Notre Dame, was the starter for a season or two, whatever, transferred to Bama, and now he's going back to Notre Dame. But you're only allowed one single, one, uh, one time transfers. So from one school to the next for immediate eligibility. So if he transfers back to Notre Dame, he'd have to sit out a year. But guess what? He's not transferring back to Notre Dame to play football next year. No, no, no. He's transferring back to play lacrosse in the spring. He's going to graduate in May uh, from Notre Dame, and he's going to play lacrosse there. And it's like, what? So to add draw a little bit of drama to this, Buchner was such a highly touted lacrosse player growing up that he actually committed to play the sport at Michigan, of all places, while he was in middle school. And now he will face Michigan in the college football playoff. He said he made a commitment to Alabama, so he's going to play out the football season before going back to Notre Dame. What a full circle moment, and guess what? They could very easily win a national championship, Alabama, and then he could go to Notre Dame to play lacrosse, and they could win another national championship because they just came off at their first national championship in lacrosse in May. Um Unbelievable. It's the crazy whirlwind. Uh, this kid could win two national championships with two different schools in a matter of months that would be bonkers all right this i thought was cool the nfl announced this year's skills competitions for the pro bowl they changed up the whole style last year so you have precision passing best catch closest to the pin high stakes dodgeball and kick tack toe those will be featured on february 1st from the university of central florida The action will continue on February 4th at Camping World Stadium in Orlando with a Madden head-to-head competition. Also, Gridiron Gauntlet and Tug of War, uh, excuse me, Tug of War and Move the Chains before they conclude with the Holy Grail, which is the flag football game. But I'd be all for this Madden tournament because Madden is my jam. It's my number one game. It's the best, it's the game I'm best at, although I'm pretty damn good at MLB the show. But I would put my talents up against anybody in the NFL in Madden. Name the player, I'll play them. And if I was in a Madden tournament with these NFL players, I could probably finish in the top 10, maybe top five. I'm just, listen. I have that much confidence in my in my Madden abilities. I don't play as much as I used to, but I'm still very very good. Okay. Um. While everyone was sleeping, I I mentioned it. Uh, Yamamoto signed with the Dodgers after midnight while I was sleeping. Woke up to disappointment, and I was shocked because I thought the Yankees were going to get him. Everybody reported that we were the front runners, and where did he go to the Dodgers with Shohei Otani. Twelve years, three twenty five. $325 million. And what's crazy about that is the fact that um, they signed Otani to a $700 million deal, even though they deferred 680 of it, whatever. Apparently, the Mets offered a similar deal. And he basically, I think, went to—he he leveraged the Mets' offer to the Dodgers and said, look, the Mets are offering me this. Can you match it? Dodgers did. He wanted to sign there. And whether it has to do with the proximity to Japan, yes, it's closer, maybe. Maybe but the fact that Otani's there too doesn't hurt. And the fact that they are a world series, uh, favorite that doesn't help either. Although Dave Roberts, I think is a terrible, terrible manager, um, too analytically driven and hot take Dodgers won't make the world series this year. That's what I'm guessing happens. Uh, Yankees offered 300 million. What's weird though, is they made a good point today. If, Yamamoto just came back to the Yankees and was like, these two teams are offering 325. Will you match it? I'm sure Steinbrenner would have matched it. Uh, So he clearly just didn't want to play with the Yankees or Mets or play in New York. This happened with Otani when he came over from Japan. Same thing. Everybody you asked said he didn't want to play in New York. A lot of guys can't. They can't handle it. And I guess he's one of them. So whatever. Uh, With that being said, that wraps up the show. I don't have... Uh, on, on this date in sports, no, I couldn't find really anything good. We've got NBA on tonight. Like I said, NFL tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what's the full schedule? Let's see. NFL on Sun us uh, tomorrow. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh at 430. Buffalo at Chargers on Peacock at eight. That's a snooze fest, uh, but that's a good game to bet. Give me Buffalo and I'll take Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's going to Mason Rudolph now. It's a whole mess there. Um, this could be excuse me, the first season Mike Tomlin finishes under 500. We'll see. On Christmas, uh, excuse me, on Sunday, jump the gun. On Christmas Eve, we have Cleveland at Houston. Uh, Joe Flacco's been playing pretty good. That was a bonkers game uh, down the stretch. That Hail Mary was so close to connecting for the Bears. I would have had a heart attack if that did happen because I needed the uh, Browns to cover the two and a half. I had a nice little parlay, won me close to 200 bucks um you have Cleveland at Houston that's at one o'clock you have Detroit at Minnesota uh you have Dallas at Miami that's a good one um those are a couple of the big ones and then on Christmas Day you have the raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs nice little AFC West matchup you have the Giants at Philly a nice NFC East matchup and you have Baltimore at San Francisco this could be a Super Bowl matchup just saying, you never know. Um, NBA Christmas Day, you've got Milwaukee at the Knicks, Golden State at Denver, Boston at Lakers, Philly at Miami, Dallas at Phoenix. And let me just give you a couple picks. I'll give you my three picks. Three NFL bets, okay? I was on the Rams last night. I didn't bet it. I threw $10 on a promo. I should have bet it. I should have went with my gut and taken a minus four. I like the Bengals, and I like the Bills. I'll do a parlay with those two teams. Bills are 12.5-point favorites, so that parlay isn't going to be great. I'm going to have to do, like, Bills minus 6.5 and, and Bengals minus 2.5. Um, you've got Colts, Falcons. Falcons are favored by 2.5 here. No, thank you. Give me the Colts, even though they have been – uh. You know, up and down, let me down. Then they bailed me out. We'll see. Um, Some other games I like here. Lions-Vikings. Lions, they need to wake up. They're three-point favorites. I know it's a divisional game. I like the Lions. Uh, I definitely like the Browns. No CJ Stroud for a second straight game. Browns are three-point favorites. Lean on that defense. Case Keenum will throw an interception, I'm sure. Give me the Browns, minus three. Uh... What other ones do I like? Cowboys, Dolphins, that has to hit the over. Has to, has to, has to. And then 49ers, Ravens, man, that's going to be a good one. Um, You, you just can't, can't go against Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. They've been that good. So, those are my picks. That was the episode. What was that? Number 228. Uh, it's been a couple weeks, but I'm glad to be back. I probably won't have an episode next week just saying it's fr- next week next friday is what's the date uh the 29th yeah i'll be out of town i will be in myrtle beach getting my gal on um enjoying some of the you know nice weather get out of the east coast uh winter weather here because it was like cold today it's like 29 degrees so uh fortunately probably no episode next week i'm not bringing all my equipment the car is going to be packed with golf clubs and other stuff, whatever. Uh, so with that being said, I will see everybody after the new year. Um, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, you name it. Happy New Year from the Pody to you and your families. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the sports. I'm the Pody signing off.